Hey there, Trey. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday over there in Pensacola. The weather's looking pretty nice for you today. Highs of 72 degrees with some broken clouds to start, but it'll clear up into a beautiful evening. Perfect for catching up on the latest news, and we've got some interesting stories for you today. The European Commission is eyeing some big names in tech. Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, TikTok's parent company ByteDance, and Booking.com. They could be tagged as gatekeepers under the new Digital Markets Act. That means tough rules could be coming their way, like making messaging apps work with competitors and letting users ditch pre-installed apps. They've got 45 working days to plead their case. And with a journalist like Fu Yunqi covering this for two decades, investors are watching closely. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. This is Trey's News from PocketPod News. Over at the World Trade Organization meeting in the United Arab Emirates, things wrapped up without much progress on key issues like fishing and agriculture. But they did manage to keep digital media taxes on pause. It's a tense time with global conflicts and an upcoming U.S. election that could see former President Trump or President Biden shaking up international trade yet again, not to mention ongoing spats with China over trade practices. And then there's Consumer Reports' latest investigation into security flaws in doorbell cameras from Amazon and others. Turns out devices made by Econ Group LT could let hackers take control or peek through your doorbell camera. Walmart pulled these products right off their shelves, offering refunds to customers. But as of Thursday, Amazon still hasn't budged. A real wake-up call about the safety of smart home devices. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to pocketpod.app to join the waitlist. In the world of tech, big names like Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, TikTok's parent company ByteDance, and Booking.com are under the microscope. That's right. The European Commission is zeroing in on these giants, possibly labeling them as gatekeepers under the new Digital Markets Act. This tag could usher in sweeping changes to how they operate, all in the name of fostering competition and offering users more choices. But what does it mean to be a gatekeeper, and why are companies like ByteDance pushing back against this classification? For a deeper dive into this complex issue, we're joined by PocketPod News international politics correspondent Mallory Hessel. Mallory. These regulations sound like they could really shake things up. Absolutely, Jonathan. Being classified as a gatekeeper under the Digital Markets Act, or DMA, is a significant development for any tech company. The DMA sets specific criteria to identify these gatekeepers, focusing primarily on companies with a substantial user base and market cap. Specifically, companies with more than 45 million monthly active users and 75 billion euros in market capitalization are subject to this scrutiny. The intention here is quite clear, to ensure that the digital market remains fair by preventing dominant platforms from leveraging their position in ways that could harm competition and limit user choices. That sounds like a rigorous evaluation process. Can you elaborate on what it means for companies once they're designated as gatekeepers? Of course. Once a company is officially designated as a gatekeeper, it has to adhere to several obligations aimed at fostering competition and enhancing user choice. For instance, these obligations include making messaging apps interoperable with those of competitors and allowing users more freedom in their software installation choices. These measures are designed to break down the barriers that large platforms might erect to stifle competition and restrict consumer options. 
It's worth noting that these new obligations for gatekeepers will start from March 7th. Interesting. And how does the European Commission go about deciding which companies are classified as gatekeepers? The process involves a 45 working day review period where the European Commission decides on the gatekeeper status of companies after they've notified their qualifications under the DMA. This review includes assessing any arguments the companies might present against being designated as gatekeepers. It's a comprehensive process aimed at ensuring fairness in classification. ByteDance has been notably resistant to its designation as a gatekeeper. What can you tell us about that? That's right, Jonathan. ByteDance was labeled as a gatekeeper back in July of last year, but has since contested this designation at Europe's second-highest court. This legal challenge underscores the company's concerns over what being classified as a gatekeeper entails under the DMA regulations, potentially reflecting broader worries about operational constraints and regulatory compliance costs. And what about Booking.com? How are they handling their potential classification? Booking.com seems to have anticipated falling into this category due to an increase in its user base, reflecting how companies are adjusting their expectations and strategies in anticipation of regulatory changes under the DMA. This proactive stance highlights how significant players in the tech industry are closely monitoring these developments and preparing for potential impacts on their operations. It sounds like there's quite a bit at stake here for these major tech platforms. Indeed, there is, Jonathan. The European Commission's scrutiny under the Digital Markets Act signifies an important step towards ensuring fair competition and protecting consumer choices in the digital marketplace. As we watch how companies like Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, ByteDance and Booking.com navigate these potential designations, as well as the broader implications for the tech industry, it's clear that this regulatory effort could set precedents shaping future landscapes of digital markets. Thanks for breaking all of that down for us today, Mallory. You're welcome, Jonathan. Always happy to discuss these complex issues with our listeners. The World Trade Organization's recent meeting in the United Arab Emirates didn't quite go as many had hoped. Indeed, the summit wrapped up early without consensus on critical issues like fishing and agriculture. It seems global uncertainties and geopolitical tensions are making these negotiations tougher than ever. One silver lining, though, was the agreement to extend a pause on taxes for digital media, a rare point of unity in an otherwise divided forum. And with elections looming in key countries, including a pivotal one in the United States, the future of global trade is hanging in the balance. To help us unpack all of this, we're joined by PocketPod News international political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Sarah, how significant were these missed opportunities at the WTO summit? Jonathan, the outcomes, or rather the lack thereof, from this WTO summit are indeed significant. The failure to reach consensus on critical issues like fishing and agriculture not only showcases the complexities of international trade negotiations, but also points to deeper systemic issues within the WTO framework. With 166 nations involved, achieving unanimous decisions is a monumental task, especially when national interests and priorities differ so vastly. You mentioned systemic issues within the WTO. Could you delve a bit deeper into what this implies for global trade? Absolutely. The World Trade Organization has historically been a platform where nations could negotiate trade policies and resolve disputes amicably. 
However, as we've seen in Abu Dhabi, the increasing polarization and geopolitical tensions make it challenging to find common ground. This division isn't just about fishing rights or agricultural subsidies, but reflects broader disagreements over how global trade should be conducted in an era of digital economies and shifting power balances. Speaking of digital economies, I understand there was at least one agreement reached regarding the extension of a tax pause on digital media. How important is this decision? It's a significant, albeit small, victory for global trade negotiations. By agreeing to extend the pause on taxes for digital media until their next biennial meeting, WTO members have acknowledged the importance of fostering an environment conducive to digital trade growth. However, it also highlights how navigating traditional trade frameworks in our rapidly evolving digital world remains a challenge. And how do global uncertainties factor into these discussions? Director General Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala's comments about global uncertainties affecting trade discussions are very telling. From disruptions in the Red Sea caused by Yemen's Houthi rebels to broader international conflicts, these external pressures add another layer of complexity to negotiations that already have high stakes. It emphasizes how interlinked our global challenges are, from security issues to economic policies. With U.S. elections looming and potential shifts in policy on the horizon, what could be the implications for international trade? The upcoming U.S. presidential election is a pivotal moment for global trade relations. A potential re-election of Donald Trump could introduce significant volatility, given his previous stance on tariffs and threats to withdraw from the WTO altogether. These elections underscore not just American domestic policy shifts, but also signal potential changes in how one of the world's largest economies engages with other nations on trade issues. Lastly, let's touch upon China's role within this dynamic. There seems to be ongoing contention regarding its classification as a developing country. That's correct, Jonathan. Since China's accession to the WTO in 2001, there have been growing concerns among other member nations, particularly the United States, over its classification as a developing country. This status affords China certain benefits that some argue give it an unfair advantage in market access, technology transfer practices, and dumping cheap products into global markets. This issue is emblematic of larger tensions between major economies trying to navigate an equitable path forward in international trade. It sounds like there's much at stake as we navigate these complex waters of international relations and trade agreements. Thank you for offering such clear insights today. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we continue these conversations as we grapple with shaping a fairer global trading system amidst such turbulent times. That was PocketPod News International political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Thanks for joining us today. In today's digital age, smart home devices like doorbell cameras offer convenience and security. But what happens when those very devices become a security risk? That's exactly what a recent Consumer Reports investigation has uncovered. 
Doorbell cameras manufactured by Eakin Group Lodid, sold under brand names Eakin and Tuck, have been found vulnerable to unauthorized access. This could potentially allow malicious actors to control these devices or view footage without consent. The findings prompted immediate actions from retailers like Temu and Walmart, with some removing the products from their platforms. However, Amazon's response to the situation has been notably absent, despite these cameras being awarded the Amazon's Choice badge. And it doesn't end there. The investigation also pointed out vulnerabilities through an app called iWit, operated by Eakin Group, making nearby doorbell cameras accessible by pairing them without proper authorization. With us today is PocketPod News Technology correspondent Alex Harmon to dive deeper into this story. The risks these vulnerabilities pose to consumers, the responses from major retailers, and what this means for the future of IoT device security. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. The situation uncovered by Consumer Reports is indeed troubling. They found that doorbell cameras produced by Ekin Group Lekheled, which are sold under the brands Ekin and Tuck on major online platforms like Amazon and Walmart, have serious security vulnerabilities. These flaws could potentially allow unauthorized individuals to gain control over the devices or view footage without the owner's consent. That sounds quite concerning, Alex. Can you elaborate on what specific vulnerabilities were found? Absolutely. The investigation revealed that these security issues could enable malicious actors to access live footage or still images captured by the cameras. Even more alarming is the possibility of these individuals locking out the original device owners, effectively hijacking their doorbell cameras. And how have retailers responded to these findings? In response to Consumer Reports findings, Temu took swift action by removing Eakin made doorbells from its platform. Similarly, Walmart responded by removing listings of the affected doorbell cameras sold by third-party sellers on its marketplace and even offered refunds to customers who purchased them. These actions demonstrate a proactive approach to consumer safety from some retailers. What about Amazon? Given their significant market presence, their response must be critical in this scenario. Interestingly, despite awarding the Eakin and Tuck doorbell cameras its Amazon's Choice badge, Amazon did not immediately respond to requests for comment regarding the security issues identified. This silence stands in stark contrast to other retailers' quick actions and raises questions about how platforms deal with potential risks associated with selling vulnerable devices. You mentioned an app called iWit in connection with this issue. Could you tell us more about that? Yes, researchers found a particularly concerning vulnerability associated with an app called AWIT operated by Eakin Group. This flaw could allow bad actors to exploit vulnerabilities by pairing nearby doorbell cameras with another device without proper authorization. It's a stark reminder of the security concerns that can arise with IoT devices and how easily they can be exploited if not properly secured. This brings up broader implications for e-commerce platforms selling these products. Precisely, Jonathan. Justin Brookman from Consumer Reports emphasized that there's a pressing need for major e-commerce platforms to improve their vetting processes for sellers and products. This situation underscores broader concerns about consumer safety in digital marketplaces where potentially unsafe products can be listed by third-party sellers without adequate oversight. It sounds like this investigation has shed light on significant consumer safety issues within digital marketplaces and IoT device security overall. 
Indeed, it has. Retailers like Timu and Walmart have taken steps towards addressing these concerns by removing affected products from their platforms. However, incidents like these highlight ongoing challenges in ensuring product safety and consumer protection as IoT devices become more common in our daily lives. It also emphasizes the need for better vetting processes by major e-commerce platforms to prevent similar incidents in the future. Thank you for providing such detailed insights into this issue, Alex. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we stay informed about these technological developments and their implications for consumer safety. And that's Trey's News for Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Trey. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to PocketPod.app.